0: Good morning. morning. First of all, I want to say thank you. I was listening to the song there, and it said, what can we say, what can we do, but offer our hearts... Lord, completely to you. I want to I want to thank those of you who offer your hearts in service each and every week to make this gathering possible. Because I don't know about you, but I love it. I don't often get to stand up here and be this part of it, but uh, I'm usually out there with you guys. And I love the fact that so many people show up every Sunday, whether it's with the welcome team, whether it's with the kids' ministry, whether it's with the sound and lights, or uh, the instruments, uh, musicians. Uh, thank you so much for offering um, that To the Lord, because it's a it's a blessing to me. Other thing I was thinking that I wanted to say right uh, when I got up here was something that probably many of you were thinking as well. And generally, um, it kind of filled up a little bit when the when the choir sat down. But this front section here is a little empty, and I thought one way to kill uh, to fix a couple of problems is um, we could get people to come up here and we could warm up if we put a campfire right up here in the front middle. I don't know much. I was. I was really wanting one this morning, and I thought, man, that could solve two problems. We get people to come up and stay warm. Um, but I'm not going to complain, because before long, we'll be fanning. I know if we say it's too cold, but I'm going to do this a few times, just kind of like before a ball game, warm up a little bit in my hands before we get going. Uh, my name is Nick. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you so much for joining us at Holland Chapel this morning. When you got your bulletin uh, this morning, hopefully you got one of these in it, and I just wanted to tell you what that was real quick. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a new member class. We have them quarterly. And uh, what we do is, after our morning gathering, we go across the street to the Family Life Center. We have some lunch. We discuss, uh, after we have lunch, we take them into a classroom. Anyone who's interested in becoming a member at Holland Chapel, we discuss what a church is. Uh, We talk about why we need to be a part of one. Uh, We talk about what's expected when we are a part of one. And then we ask at the end, okay, if you think that you're all in, that you would like to become a part of Holland Chapel, just stay seated when we, uh, after we pray, Stay seated. And we'll come around and we'll hear your story of faith. We'll hear about where you got baptized at or if you need to be baptized and, and all the questions that you have. And uh, so we had this class a couple weeks ago and we said just stay seated if you want to have a conversation. And we got to have, we being pastors, got to have a conversation and hear stories of faith and baptism for these 22 folks who joined Highland Chapel a couple weeks ago. So I think we should praise the Lord for that. You can take that home with you, You get to know some faces. We'll have another class in December, uh, so know that that is available to you in December. So um, it's just a a cool thing that we wanted to celebrate and offer you that so you can kind of get some names with some faces there. We're in the third week of our Exodus uh, series, Exodus. We're in the third week of it, and uh, just to kind of catch you up if you haven't uh, been here the last couple of weeks, where we're at is Moses has heard from God. Uh, Moses has teamed up with Aaron uh, he's met with Israelite leaders to tell them that God hasn't forgotten them and basically that we're getting out of here. And then I could see it. Uh, just It seems like they're just a couple of steps away from looking back at Egypt and saying one of my all-time favorite 1980s TV show lines. I could just see them walking out of Egypt and turning around saying, I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> Anybody know what show that's from? The A-team, that's right, Hannibal. Hannibal would always say, I love it when a plan comes together. And his plans always came together. They could take a piece of uh, pipe and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and turn the A-team van into a tank, and they would get out of it. <laughs> Problem is, that was TV show, not real life. And our plans don't always come together. They certainly didn't for Moses. Uh, last week, Kyle talked to, from chapter 5 and we see that Moses goes to Pharaoh he tells Pharaoh, hey you're supposed to let us go Uh, we're getting out of here but Pharaoh pretty well just laughed at him and made their situation worse his plan didn't come together and that's where we're going to pick up in Exodus Exodus chapter 5 verse 22 open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 5 verse 22 they've just been turned down Their situation has become worse. The people are turning against Moses and Aaron, and Moses has a conversation with God, probably that many of us have had with God as well. He says in verse 22, Then Moses went back to the Lord and protested, Why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people. And you have done nothing to rescue them. Moses says, why, Lord? Why Why me? Why now? Where are you? Why didn't it work out like we planned? I don't know about you, but I've had that conversation with God before. Why? This is not the way I had envisioned it. This is not the way it was supposed to go down. We have that in common with not only Moses, but several other of our Bible heroes. Um, Joshua, Elijah, David. They all came to a point in their life when they said, why, God, why? Moses wanted faster results. He wanted fewer problems. Sounds familiar, right? We want faster results. We want fewer problems. We want to get out of here. We want our plans to come together. See, I think we all, at some point in our life, we have plans for our relationships, how they're supposed to work out not just boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, but maybe family members, maybe friendships. We have plans for our finances, when we're going to retire, when we're going to be set up, when we're going to um, climb that, uh, that, that ladder at the job, while we're, when we're going to advance in our career. We have plans for these kind of things, plans for life. But too many of our plans end with us having that conversation with God, saying, why, God, why? Why now? Why didn't it work out? Why? Why? And we're surprised when those things don't work out like we planned. Because we had it all figured out. We saw the end. We knew where we were going. We knew how it was going to turn out. And we find ourselves being surprised. Well, one thing we can learn from this passage of Scripture and many others throughout the Bible is God is not surprised. God's not caught off guard. I found this as I was going back through the story. And if you want to turn back a couple pages, you can. Or I think it will be on your screen Exodus chapter 3 when Moses first hears from God about the plan Exodus chapter 3 God's telling Moses what to do telling him to go tell Pharaoh all that he's supposed to say let my people go And I found it very interesting to find this part in the story that Moses had forgot about Exodus chapter 3 verse 19 towards the end of God's conversation with Moses here This is God speaking, and he says, But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last he will let you go. At last he will let you go. There was more to the the plan. For some reason, Moses thought when he went up there that all of a sudden he was going to say, Let my people go. And Pharaoh was just gonna let him walk out. But God told Moses from the beginning, I'm gonna have to do all these miracles, I'm gonna have to do all these wonders, and then at last, he will let you go. But Moses had left that part out. I thought about how this relates to us in our life and how many times we leave parts of God's word out. God's word tells us not to get in a relationship with an unbeliever, God's word tells us to give back to him. What is his? God's word tells us not to compromise our values. God's word tells us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. But far too often we leave those parts out of our plans and then we wonder why they don't work out like we thought they were going to and then we end up saying, why God? Moses had been told all this was going to happen. He said, God told him from the beginning, but I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. Then at last he'll let you go. Moses got it in his head that he's going to walk up and say, let us go, and we're going to be walking out of here. God wasn't caught by surprise. Let's look at what God's response is in Exodus chapter 6. Flip back over. So Moses has gone to God. He's honestly told him uh, his feelings. He's not sinning in that. He's just being honest. He's just being honest, God. Here's the cool thing. Moses went to the right person, right, last week, The Israelite foreman, they went to Pharaoh for the fix. They went to the the wrong master. Moses goes to God. He goes to the right person. He goes to the person who can help him. And here's what God says in verse number 1. Then the Lord told Moses, Now, you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. He says he's going to feel my strong hand so much so he's going to force you out of here. You're not going to have to ask. He's going to say, get out of here. Verse 2, And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them under its terms. I promised to give them the land of Canaan where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel Who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I am well aware of my covenant with them. So, first of all, God reminds Moses what he had originally said was going to happen. He tells him, Now you're going to see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. He's going to feel the force of my strong hand. He reminds Moses what he'd already told him, and then he he reminds Moses who he is. Not that Moses needed to be reminded. Like I said, Moses went to the right person. Moses went to the person who had control of the situation, who had made a promise and who was going to keep that promise. He says something interesting. God says that he had appeared to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob as El Shaddai, or God Almighty. Basically, what he's saying there is, they knew me as the great I am. They knew me as all-sufficient, as all-powerful. He says, I'm going to reveal something new about myself here. You're going to know me as the one who is there with you till the end. You're going to be the one who knows me as the the promise keeper. Now I'm going to be known as a God who performed what he promised. A God who perfected what he had begun. And then how sweet is, number, is verse number 5 to us. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people. How many times have you just groaned and, and moaned and ached for God to hear you? And it's so comforting to know That God hasn't forgotten us. God cared about them. He cares about you. God doesn't forget his promises. He tells Moses, I'm well aware. You can be sure that I've heard the groans, and I am well aware of my covenant with him. God hasn't forgotten what he's promised he would do in our lives, what his his word promises that he'll do for us. We're the ones that forget it sometimes. There's a couple of neat psalms on your screen. Psalm 145, verse 13 says the Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. Always keeps his promises. Then Psalm 119 says, your promises have been thoroughly tested. And that is why I love them so much. Tonight in HC groups, one of the questions is, which which promises of God do you find yourself leaning on? Which promises of God do you um, enjoy the most, And so I'm giving you a little heads-up time to think about those. We thought it would be a neat time in group discussion tonight to talk about those promises in God's Word that mean the most to you. The psalmist says, Your promises have been thoroughly tested, and that is why I love them so much. Here's the key. Our plans have got to be founded on God's promises. They can't be founded and made up without with leaving God's promises behind. Our plans have got to be founded... On God's promises. and Some of you probably in the room no doubt are saying, I- I've tried that, but it didn't help. It didn't fix the problem. God didn't come through for me. I, I tried to claim God's promise, and, he- and, it-, and it just didn't-, it didn't make the situation any better. He didn't fix it. He didn't get me out of it. I didn't get around it. And here's where I get to plug uh, student ministry a little bit. We're going through a series uh, on Wednesday nights. We just started it as well about three weeks ago called Parables. And that mindset there reminds me an awful lot of the parable that we studied Wednesday night with our teenagers. The parable of the sower. Jesus compares a farmer's soil and how it receives the seed with our heart and how we receive God's word. And he has this one example of the rocky soil. And the rocky soil doesn't mean, and I used to think it just meant that the seed landed on a, on a pebble there in the, in the field. But that's not what it's talking about. No farmer would have planted his seed and not picked up the rocks first. So that's, that's not it. There was dirt all around. The problem is just about three or four inches below the dirt was that layer of bedrock, that layer of hard rock that you hit when you're shoveling and you think you're clear to dig a hole and you hit that. And all of a sudden now you've run into some rock. So it wasn't on the surface. It was rock underneath. And Jesus says that that kind of rock, that kind of rocky soil receives the seed about the way that a shallow hearer receives god's word somebody who says yes i want jesus in my life jesus is going to fix all my problems jesus is going to make everything better my life's going to be a breeze now and then all of a sudden when temptations come or trials come or troubles come or you didn't get out of that thing like you thought you were going to and you still had to deal with the consequences of your sin all of a sudden then you're like whoa, whoa, whoa. that didn't that didn't help me at all i'm going back to the way i used to live i don't want any of that it didn't fix my problems And that's the parable of the sower that Jesus tells in Matthew 13. A shallow hearer of God's word responds quickly, but when trouble comes or the plans don't come together, they fall away. So what happens is if you're one of the ones that says, well, I did that, I tried that, I I believed God's promises, and it didn't make it better. You didn't trust God's promises. What you did was you believed your presumptions. You began again to place... uh, place, your form it to the way you wanted it to sound. Your presumptions about what God's promises meant for you. You heard what you wanted to hear. Our kids do this all the time. They hear what they want to hear. In the morning sometime, and you can fill in whatever you want to fill in, because I know in your house it may be different than mine, but if in the morning time we mention something about, oh yeah, we might go to the movies sometime this weekend. Or we might go to Avery's favorite, Putt-Putt. We might go play Putt-Putt sometime this weekend. or Or we might go out to eat well, what happens is over the course of the day or over the course of the weekend, they begin to think about this, and it becomes not just a uh, we might, but it becomes a you promised, right? And so at the end of the weekend or at the end of the day, you get ready to go to bed. But, but, mommy, you, you promised we could go play putt putt. But, but, dad, you promised we could go to the movies. Well, I didn't ever promise. They, they presumed, they assumed that that's what was going to happen. And so, what happens is we don't believe God's promises, we believed our presumptions. Our presumptions have become promises. So don't confuse your presumptions about God's word and your presumptions about God's promises and what they're going to mean for you and what they're going to do for you and how they're going to fix all your problems with God's promises. leads to a really shallow faith, like that parable talked about. A fragile, shallow faith is attached to our presumptions. We need a stable faith that's linked to the promises of God, the real, actual promises of God, what the Bible really says, not what we presume that God means for us. Hebrews 10, 23, on the screen, it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us not waver. Let us not, um, you know, when things don't go our way, we we give up. We don't want to trust God anymore. But the Bible says we can trust God to keep his promises. How do we do that? How do we, how do we, how do we um, Take all that in and not be swayed and not waver. We've got to grow roots. The parable is talking about seed growing roots down. And it can't because it hits that rock. You've got to, you've got to get into God's Word. You've got to let it sink in. You've got to read it thoroughly, not just hearing what we want to hear. Get around believers. Encourage one another. Let, those, let God's Word and those promises sink in deep so that we don't give up and back out every time something doesn't go our way good place to start, reading and hearing promises, would be where we left off. Exodus chapter 6, verse number 6. So Moses has told God, I know, I know, that's this has to happen first. I have to I have to show my mighty hand. I have to force Pharaoh to let you out. Remember that I'm the promise keeper and then he goes into verse number 6. Right after he says, I'm well aware of my covenant with them, he says, therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my people and I will be your God and then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt and I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession for I am the Lord. What he doesn't say in here or anywhere in his promises, is that life's going to be easy. He's not going to say that we won't experience heartache. He doesn't say that everyone's going to get along. But notice what he does say. And I want you to do this with your fingers, and you're going to have to use two hands because it goes to uh, more than five. So I'm going to read out what he does say in here, and I want you to count them. You don't want to count them out loud, but there's a pretty cool thing about this. Um, He does say in these two verses, three verses, I will bring you out. I will free you, I will redeem you, I will take you as my people, I will be your God, I will bring you, and I will give that land to you. He says, I will, and there are seven times. Now, coincidence, I don't know. Numbers in the Bible don't always mean something. They don't always refer to something. But when the number seven does refer to things, it refers to completeness. To divine perfection. And here's just my hunch about this. God is saying my promises are perfect. I'm going to complete this thing that I've promised to you. I'm going to see it through to the end. I'm going to be with you to the end. And you can count on it. I will bring you out. I will free you. I will redeem you. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. I will bring you out. I will give it to you. God's promises are perfect. See the promises of God. They're not necessarily about things going our way. Our life's not easy, and following Jesus doesn't guarantee that it will be. But the promises of God are about having a relationship with God that supersedes the circumstances of life. You believe the promises of God, and you have that relationship with God. That means when things get tough, when things get difficult, it doesn't mean you waver on that relationship with God. It doesn't mean that you give up on Him. It means that you can trust Him and that you can count on Him. It means that you know that God is in control. You know that He cares about you. You know that He hasn't forgotten about you. So we talked a lot about our plans this morning and about how our plans don't always come together. Especially when they're not founded on God's promises. And sometimes our plans turn into, uh, they, they, they develop into presumptions instead of leaning on God's promises. What about God's plan? There's a couple more verses I want to share with you. This one's on the screen as well. God's plan. What about God's plan? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 6. Paul makes it pretty obvious. He said, This is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. This is God's plan. Those who believe the good news. What's the good news? What what good news? There's hundreds of these promises that we're talking about in the Old Testament. They're promises about a Savior named Jesus that's to come. This God-man that would come and live perfectly, die and live again to save his people from their sins. That's a a promise that we can bank on. That's a promise that that we've seen to completion. That's a promise that we've seen happen. Galatians 3.22 goes on to say this about that promise. It says, But the Scriptures declare... That we are prisoners of sin. Kyle talked about this earlier on in the series about the the correlation between the Israelites who were enslaved in sin in Egypt. And us who are enslaved in this sin that weighs us down each and every day. Galatians says the scripture declares that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's what? God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus, You see, the same way that God wanted to, to, to get the people out of slavery, they wanted, he wanted to free them from slavery, take them as his people, be their God, bring them out. That's what Jesus came to do for us. Jesus came to bring us out, to redeem us from sin, to free us from sin, to lead us into a new life. It's a perfect picture. So we, we think that sometimes we'll read a part of the Bible and we think, ah, oh, that was for the Israelites and Egypt and slavery, and that doesn't really apply to us. But what God was doing is he was showing us what Jesus was going to come and do for us. Don't trust your presumptions or depend upon your plans. Trust the promises of God. You're going to get to talk about those in groups tonight. A next step for you today, next step, I think it will be on the screen as well, is to trust God with blank based on his promises. See, this looks totally different for everybody in the room. We're all going to have a different thing to put in there. Some of us, we need to trust God with the relationships there was a young lady that came in Friday. Um, she needed some help. And, and she had help around her, but she, she, all of her relationships had fallen through with her parents, with her, her siblings. And, and I, said, I simply said, look, relationships are tough, but you've got to figure out a way to make one of these things work. You've got to figure out a way to make one of these relationships work so your life can get on the right track. Somebody in this room might need to trust God with their relationships, Based on his promises. Somebody might need to trust God with their finances. Based on his promises. You've been trying to do it your own way. You've got to get into the word of God and see what God promises you. And base that. Make your plan around those promises. Trust God with your career. Trust God with your children. Several of us need to do that. I, I need to do that. Trust God with our kids. Trust God with our health. Trust God with your eternity. Based on his promises. What promise? The Bible says, Whosoever calls upon the Lord will be saved. If you're here this morning, and, you, and we're talking about trusting God for all these things, but you've never trusted God with your eternity. You've never placed your faith and trust in him and made him the Savior, the Lord of your life. You've got to get that done before you can trust him with all this other stuff. You've got to get that right. Somebody in the room might need to trust God with their eternity based on the promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what that looks like is recognizing that we're sinners. I loved it last week when Kyle said, this message is for everybody who's messed up in sin. And everybody in the room could perk up because it, all, it was related to all of us. We've all sinned and fall short. The problem is, uh, the difference is that some of us have said, Jesus, I can't handle this sin. I, ca- I can't save myself and I need you recognizing that God sent Jesus to come to earth to live perfectly, to die for us, to to rise again, to conquer death, so that we could live forever with Him. Not only in the next life, but here we can know that He's with us. We can know that He will be with us through all these circumstances, through all these difficulties, and that we can count on His promises. So trust God with something this morning. Grant challenge you to take something home with you. I don't know what it is. I don't know what God's speaking to you this morning. Maybe this morning you know that we've got a baptism date coming up. October the 8th, I believe it is. And you, need to, you just need to step out and say, look, I'm tired of, of pretending. I'm tired of not telling people that I'm, a, that I'm a Christ follower. I'm tired of not doing that. And I, I'm going to make my faith public through baptism. Or maybe you need to be challenged to trust God with one of these things that we've talked about. Or maybe you just need to get back into the Word of God and see what promises that. it. Which promise is it that I need to to start to make my plans around? Which of God's promises can get me through this week? Maybe that's some of you. Would you stand with me and let's pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these people in this room, for the families that are represented. Lord, thank you for bringing us together to celebrate, to worship, and to honor you. But Lord, collectively, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for not giving up on us. We thank you for uh, not forgetting about us. For hearing our groans. For understanding when we say why. For your patience, for your mercy, for your love. Lord, we thank you. I pray that if there's one in this room today that doesn't know you as their Savior that they would make that all-important decision, that life-changing decision today to place their faith in you. And Lord, I pray for anyone in here that just needs some help to get through this week, needs something so they can rest their head tonight and and be assured that everything is going to be okay. Lord, I pray that they would trust the promises that you give us in your word. Please move among your people today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.